Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome. I just did my weird voice again. Welcome to After Work Drinks. I'm Isabel Truman. And I'm Grace O'Neill. <laughs> I hate that. Okay. Right. Okay. Welcome to After Work Drinks, everybody. We still haven't figured out what we want to say at the start of this podcast yet because we decided we hate our old um, kind of jingle. But essentially, we are two magazine editors and best friends. And every single week, we are talking to you about the stuff we care about that we would be talking about over an after-work drink. Yeah, it's our Friday night catch-ups over wine in a podcast format, essentially. Yes. So you get what you're given, really. Sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's really serious and we're crying because don't all women know that? Yes, exactly. And we have a few new listeners, it seems, in the last kind of couple of weeks. So if you're here, welcome. We're very excited to have you. Um, And yeah. I love how we've all gone from basically making banana bread in quarantine to abolishing the US police force in a matter of weeks. I'm obsessed with this turn of events. So I just would never have guessed two weeks ago that I would be cheering whilst a group of protesters threw a statue into a river in Bristol. It feels like the revolution is happening and I'm extremely here for it. And yeah, so when I first saw during the protests and the whole movement online, people writing about defunding the police or abolishing the police, my brain went straight to, this is crazy. This is why you don't win arguments. This is why the right don't respect us because the left wing have crazy ideas and they just have no rooting in reality and this is nuts. And then I (laughs) stopped listening to my little pea brain and actually read about it. And it turns out it's very compelling and now I'm 100% for abolishing the police. Yeah, it's far... explain it, Izzy. It's far less... um 
scary than it sounds. Radical. Yeah, yeah. it sounds really radical. But essentially what I just said to the white middle-aged man who somehow found his way to the After Work Drinks Instagram account. How did he find us? I have us? no idea. I was like, God, you would be holding a fucking massive fish in your profile photo. <laughs> but The male Karen. Yeah. So essentially six years ago when Mike Brown and Eric Gardner were murdered by police, the Obama suggested basically as a way to fix these senseless murders by police aimed at black people that the police needed to reform. So what he meant by that is like more training, more resources, body cams, etc. And then fast forward six years and nothing has happened. Nothing has changed. Police are still killing the exact same amount of people per year, year on year. And even this year when there has been a global pandemic and no one has been outside, it's the exact same number. So it just hasn't been working. And one of the one of the massive like main cities that was going under reform that was supposed to be an example was Minneapolis, where George Floyd was murdered. So it clearly wasn't working. So basically now everyone wants to either defund the police or go one step further and abolish them completely. And when we say defund the police, it sounds crazy and everyone immediately thinks, well, what are you going to do if you're in a situation where you need the police? The police are there to protect us because they say over and over that they're here to protect and serve. But what it essentially means is that instead of funneling billions of dollars per year into the police force you would instead redistribute the money into things like social services health care housing um into education and community-led like health and safety strategies essentially so the money instead would be spent trying to basically stop these problems that lead to violence and lead to people being arrested at the root cause so even i was reading the body keeps the score which has nothing to do with this um yesterday and he said in the book that 70 percent of prisoners in california came from foster homes so it's like if we go to the root cause of the problem before it escalates years later and tackling it with police force instead of tackling it with things that could actually help in terms of like rehabilitation and social services and uh, counseling and mental health services, etc., That's what defunding the police is saying. Abolishing the police is basically saying we need to get rid of the police force in, an, in its entirety and start again. And that doesn't mean you're not going to have um, trained professionals there. If, if you're in a high risk situation or in a violent situation, there will be people specifically for those. But then also there'll be people like social services and other. So essentially People are saying that you can call a different number instead of 911 that will be like, do you need someone for social services? Do you need someone for um, like a violent situation? Do you need blah, blah? Do you need blah, blah? And there'll be a whole range of trained professionals to help specifically for that situation. Because police are called for things like homelessness, everything, all these random... There are police in um, schools at the moment. Should, should that not be <laughs> someone different? Yeah, so when I thought more about this whole idea of abolishing the police force as we currently know it, it just became more insane to me when I thought about it that this one group of people are meant to be equipped to handle, as you said, drug addiction, violent crime, sexual crime, domestic violence, fraud and counterfeit, um, homelessness, petty crime, 
loud music playing. <laughs> yeah, everything. The whole the whole remit of things that this one group of people are uh, trusted to cover. It is literally too much for any one person to be able to manage properly. And this idea of siloing crimes into different departments full of trained professionals that are trained to respond to this exact type of crime, to me, just makes so much sense because I think about the fact, for example, in that TV show, Unbelievable, that we watched last year, which was about a true story of a serial rapist in the US who it took a really long time for them to bring him to justice. And a large part of it was the fact that one of his first victims was treated really badly by the police officers they didn't really believe her they questioned her credibility and didn't really chase down the suspect because they thought she was lying when she wasn't and uh it was two female police officers in a different state that really chased him down and really took it seriously and i think that there are so many women we know who would be so inspired to go into the field of remedying sexual violence or i literally would yeah, uh, like my mum would. Like there are so yeah, many women I know would. that would yeah, that would have done that as a job, but because the only way that you can do that in the system that currently stands is to become a police officer, which is notoriously a very very male environment, which means that you're going to have to be doing years of traffic stops and all sorts of things that you wouldn't be interested in, you would never even really consider that as a career. So then a specific type of person is going into a field that probably has no particular interest or empathy with that element of their job, but they're the first people that a victim of sexual violence is going to see. Whereas you have hundreds of thousands of people who would be really, really interested in offering an empathetic, empathetic, thoughtful, um, psychology rooted, uh, you know, trauma driven response Mm. to that situation, but they're not even able to, because we don't even have, we don't even have a system that would allow them to do that. And if you split that as well into domestic violence, drug addiction, youth crime, juvenile crime, um, then it's not putting all this pressure on one group of people and then getting furious at them when they like inevitably fail. And then we were talking as well about in America, how the police are literally trained there. It's warrior training. Yeah, they are trained to be fucking terrified every time they go outside. So if you're hopped up on adrenaline every time you go out because you're used to going to sites of shootouts and super violent situations, you're probably not the best equipped person to then go to a convenience store and check if someone's like cashing a fake $20 bill. Well, that's why Tamir Rice was killed for holding a toy gun in an Ohio park because the police He's are trained to boy. think... Yeah. yeah, a 12-year-old boy. Because police are trained to think that every encounter with the public is potentially their last and everything's hostile and everything's intense. And it's like, that's just not the right way to go about things. The more you think about it, the more insane it feels. Yeah. That training is fine if your literal job is only to go into high-risk violent situations. Like, that's what your training should be, right? Mm. But then you Mm. should only be called into high-risk violent situations because then your training matches your job description. If that's your training and then you're being called to encounter the public when someone's stolen $5 worth of stuff from a supermarket or when someone's loitering outside or when some kids are playing their music too loud, your training is so, 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 so not relevant for that. So this is where this stuff keeps coming up. It's just crazy that we have a blanket group to deal with all of these social dramas. Yeah. Yeah, I know. The more you learn about it, the more insane you think it is. And 
also just the amount of power that are given to the police force. It's literally just a big gang who's given all this power to basically get away with, literally get away with murder. It just needs to, there needs to be a huge change. And the accountability in the police force is just, and we again are speaking very specifically about America this week. We, we to be honest, haven't done a huge amount of research into Australian and New Zealand police force. However, I know there was that big case in New Zealand this week where they repealed yeah. uh, police officers being able to carry guns. Is that right? Yeah. So after the Christchurch shooting, they were testing um, officers uh, having live firearms um but it was just a complete shambles basically they went and tested it in poor neighborhoods and poor areas and then the cops were supposed to fill out a form every single time that they did a drill and they filled them out like one fucking eighth of the time it was just it just yeah thank god that's not happening if you can't be trusted to fill out paperwork you cannot be trusted to have a fucking gun (laughs) yeah it's just any so I saw something on Twitter the other day where people were talking about the Stanford Prison Experiment, which is a really famous psychological experiment that was done in the seventies in the US and it was basically done as psychologists were trying to figure out how normal, quote unquote normal people could have taken part in the Holocaust. And so they created these psychological experiments where it was something along the lines of if you give people unchecked power and you give mm. and you put people in an oppressed position will regular people start to exploit it and there's a really great youtube documentary on it if you haven't seen it yet but it basically just shows how quickly if you have no um culpability or accountability how quickly humans will default to using their power against other people and it's like a horrible part of humanity But it just means that it's just really, really important that there are checks and balances. And there was a great episode of The Daily about how in Minneapolis specifically, uh, it's really, really, really difficult to hold the police accountable. There's basically a system where I think of all police who have been fired for either excessive force, brutality, general misconduct, 47% return to work. And it's because they have a system of, which is insane, if there's a single legal precedent of someone being allowed to go back to work for the thing you did, you're allowed to go back to work. <laughs> mm. So say they let someone go back to work after beating up someone for no reason in like 1982. If they let them back what? into the police force and you do it this year, you make that argument, well, the precedent says that I can go back to work and you can go back to work. It's um, Can nuts. they not just fucking change that? That's insane. It's crazy. So... At this point, it seems like when you really read up about the history of the police force in America and how it works politically, it just seems like reforming it feels much less possible or less likely. Well, they've been trying it for six years since Obama was in thing. It it literally doesn't work. You need to, like, scratch the whole thing and start again because they're not going to do it. And also it's insane. Like, as you say, it's insane that we use the police for all of these different situations. It makes... No fucking sense. They don't deserve any more chances. They actually don't. And also my favorite actor from Insecure, Kendrick Sampson, who is just a fucking hottie. Uh, He plays Nathan on the show. He has been in the front lines of literally, like he was on CNN. He has been everywhere um, this week doing literally um, on the loudspeaker outside um, the Los Angeles, what is it called? Mayor. Yeah. That's so weird that they're called mayors. (laughs) 
Do we have them in Australia or New Zealand? Mayors? No. Yeah. I was no. like, that sounds made up. Um, outside the Los Angeles. Oh, maybe we may- do. No, I think we do. <laughs> okay, we're cutting this. He yeah, was we on a. He was on a loudspeaker outside the Los Angeles mayor's house. He's such a legend, and he is fully for defunding the police. So um, I might add that if you would like a little bit more information um, coming straight from the mouth of a very hot man, then go to his Instagram page, because that was what got me very interested in defunding the police in the first place. (laughs) I was like, anything that you have to say, I will listen to. I'm on board with. Um, So we would both really recommend if you want to learn more about this topic, as of course you all do, um, watching 13th, which is is a documentary by Ava DuVernay on Netflix. If it's, I think it's on Netflix in Australia, but she's, she's made it legal to, sorry, she's made it free to watch all around the world. So I think if you're in America, you can just get it online for free or on YouTube. It's probably the most fascinating and uh, educational thing I have watched or read in this whole period in understanding why America is the way it is, the history of like criminality and law enforcement and how it relates to race in America. The, the two are just so inextricably linked. And I think the, the whole history of that system is to me what, what makes me feel like there is no redemption for the current system because it has been built from its foundations on this idea of criminalizing young black men. And I just Mm. don't think there's a way to like rehabilitate a whole group of people that have been trained over the last 250 years that that's literally part of what their job is. Um, Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. You definitely, everyone, if you're listening to this podcast, you have to go and watch that documentary. It's not um, negotiable, but basically they're saying that when they abolished slavery forever ago, 4 million slaves were set free. And then they realized that the economy in the South was fucked. And so the only way that they could legally in the constitution get people to work for free, how they had been when they had slaves was criminals. So they went around and just arrested all of the former slaves, AKA black people for doing the most insane petty crimes and put them in prison for life and then made them do unpaid labor. Like all the stuff, not all the stuff, but a lot of stuff that says made in the USA is made by those criminals for free to help the U S economy. It's crazy. One in three black men have been in jail, which also means that one in three black men cannot vote because you can't vote if you've been in jail. It's just this crazy system. It is this insane system. And I think that a big thing that people like to say is this argument of, you know, it was forever ago and it wasn't us and people need to get over it. And it's really, this is why I'm so passionate about history, but it's so important that you understand history because the history in America is that African people were brought against their will to the country to work as obviously as slaves but as literally like as means of production they weren't even seen as human beings this is why america is the wealthy country it is today because they had at one point up to seven million slaves in the country creating the foundations of the economy that we now see today as a superpower and then when slavery was abolished the reason that the south fought so aggressively against slavery being abolished was less for moral entitlement and purely for the fact that the entire economy was going to be wiped out if this happened. So 
they literally had to come up with a system to keep that economy ticking over and switching from the system of slavery to a system of uh, criminality being used to make money replaced it. And that is the mm. whole foundation of the way the police forces work. The police forces worked basically to quotas of how many people need to be in prison at any given time because the economy is reliant on a certain amount of people being in jail at any given time. It's called the prison industrial complex. So it's this idea now, especially in America, 2.3 million people are in jail right now. So America makes up 5% of the global population, but 25% of the global prison population. So it's wild. A quarter of all people jailed in the world are in America, which is known as the land of the free. <laughs> and the pettiness of some of the things that people are in jail for is beyond belief. There are people who got life sentences for being caught with crack cocaine on them, like actual life sentences without parole. You had uh, in the 90s, you needed to have a hundred times the amount of powdered cocaine than you needed for crack cocaine to go to jail. So basically exactly the same drug, but in different formats, basically one format crack cocaine is much more associated with poor black uh, poverty stricken areas. Powdered cocaine is obviously more associated with wealthy white uh, high net individuals. And so you saw this mass inequality where like literally a generation of black men were wiped away from their families because they were going to prison for life for minor drug possession offences. If you put money into things that we are currently um, underfunding, such as education and housing and mental health, you could cut that back so much, but they literally don't want to in the US because that's where they get their money. The whole thing is very eye-opening, but very depressing. But um, yeah, I think learning about it is just so, so, so important. So keep reading and watching and listening. Yes, definitely. I don't want to... I don't want to ever stop like talking about this. I know. It's like something that we're very aware about and concerned about is that we're not, we're not, and that no one is just kind of talking about this and it like goes out of style and everyone's over it and everyone just drops off again and it's going to take another one of these cases happening in four years' time for us to be like, oh my God, why didn't we do anything? Because like we said, this documentary 13th feels like it could have been made two days ago. It was made four years ago <laughs> and it was made because this exact thing, Eric Garner was literally crushed by a police officer on his neck and shouted, I can't breathe, I can't breathe over and over again and died. And people were out marching with I can't breathe on their shirt. Like this literally happened four years ago. And it's going to keep just happening in cycles unless people take it seriously as a long-term Yeah, like it feels as though this is kind of the revolution now and this is apparently the biggest civil rights movement in history but so quickly it could all be forgotten and these the thing is is you can do all these marches and you can go out and kind of uh learn about your own inherent racism and start working towards becoming anti-racist and being an ally but then if you're not literally putting the pressure on the governments to make change then they're just waiting for us to forget they're literally just waiting for us to forget so that they don't have to change anything Mm. I know, it's really hard to keep up momentum. It's even like when we were all talking about climate change after the bushfires, and I know that people are still passionate about that, but things just fall off the agenda, you know? Yeah. It's, it's really difficult to keep up momentum. But I've been, like, amazed at the response um, online, and I think it's been, like, a really incredible period of time where I feel really, really hopeful. 
because I just think that people are galvanized in a way I've never seen white people especially I think are galvanized and are reading up and are getting knowledgeable on this topic in a way that I haven't ever seen before obviously ourselves completely included in that so and I we are behind the scenes because the thing with being anti-racist and I think this is another thing that people probably want us to answer in more detail is like you can understand what the term means but applying it to everyday life and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we did our race episode or a month ago whenever it was and we said you know, we can't tell you how to be anti-racist in your own life because we don't know what your situation is. We don't know if you have the power to call out the fact that there's no people of color in your workplace or we don't know if you have the power to, or the money or the means to donate or to whatever it is. But then it's hard because I was sitting here today and I was like, I want to write down three tangible things. I'm obsessed with Brandon K. Good on Instagram and he's been doing all these amazing videos and he did a video today and he literally said, write down three things that you can do this month that helps you be a better ally or better yet this week. And I was like, okay. And sat there and wrote out these three things that I want to do. And I think if you do that and you actually sit there and think, what can I do? And it, and it's more than just signing petitions. It's things like, um, well, for us specifically, I said every single week, I'm going to ensure that my media diet is always including diverse black people of color minority groups always so that my recommendations when I come on the podcast are diverse and including minority groups and people of color and it's something so small but it's also like that's something that you need to think of every single time you go on Netflix and Mm -hmm. every single time you buy a magazine or every single time you buy a book or when you listen to a podcast think of who you're listening to and who you're spending your time with even money so today we sent one of our friends flowers and I sat on the internet for so long trying to find a black owned business in the US that we could support instead of just a local florist and just things like that um which is super important yeah I was even saying to you I had a whole basket full of books that I wanted to buy but the only place I could get them delivered soon was either Amazon or Waterstones and I was like these are just two massive massive white-owned corporations these are kind of the last people I want to be giving my money to in order to learn about anti-racism yeah so I was like googling around trying to find black bookstores in the UK and then Izzy sent me through a whole Twitter like thread of different places that I could try and look for instead and it's that extra moment of cognitive thinking about what you're doing and where you're spending your money Mm. but you'll get into a habit of doing it I think we don't we don't ever think about the chain of where our money goes no because we want comfort understandably but if you just shift your thinking away from I prefer wait an extra five days and know that I'm supporting a person where this might make the difference between them hitting their overheads this month that's where the change comes then aside from that we're going to be announcing a bunch of stuff that we are doing personally and after work drinks um on our Instagram and Facebook group but shall we move on to talking about jk rowling being a turf unfortunately yes this is like the last thing the world needed this week i I just can't deal and i'd been watching harry potter again the other night and then this happened the next day and i was like god did i accidentally give her like five dollars and royalty by doing that probably yeah yeah so she has 
said a few things in the past on Twitter. This isn't a new thing. TERF means um, trans-exclusive radical feminist. So essentially that um, trans women shouldn't be included or shouldn't be... Is it basically that they think trans women aren't women or that trans women shouldn't be included in feminist discussions? It's, it's the idea that trans women have a lived experience as men so therefore cannot call themselves women or speak about female identity because they haven't really understood the discrimination that comes with being a woman which is a hundred percent something someone says when they have zero idea of the lived experience of a trans woman so she essentially reposted a story that said people who menstruate and said didn't there used to be a word for those and tried to spell out the word women. Um, yes. So, basically, we all can't watch Harry Potter anymore. <laughs> I think it's an interesting topic. The insinuation seems to be that she's saying, I can say that there's such a thing uh, sort of scientifically as the concept of sex and I don't get why that makes me outrageous and um, uh, controversial and I'm just going to die on this hill. And everyone in the comments is basically like literally no one is saying that the concept of sex doesn't exist. People are saying that the concept of gender is a cultural construct that is fluid. And also her saying people who menstruate are women. I haven't had a period in like a year. Does that mean I'm not a woman? In her exactly, or thing. women who can't conceive are not women. Like it's just or the most pathetic. <laughs> or women who have gone through menopause or children. What are they? It's really nuts, and the reason I find it so bothersome is that it's so it's so clearly ignorant to the point of like almost not needing to discuss it she literally says i'll get the quote up she literally says i respect every trans person's right to live any way that feels authentic and comfortable to them i'd march with you if you were discriminated (laughs) against on the basis of being trans what at the same time my life has been shaped by being a female and i do not believe it's hateful to say so the idea that trans people being discriminated against is an if they're discriminated against more than anyone else in the world, aren't they? Yeah, there's been a, a statistic circulating that the life expectancy for black trans women is 35 and apparently that statistic is actually not totally scientifically sound, but it gives it gives an indication to how difficult life is if you're a trans person. And I think just... A trans woman in Missouri um, called Nina Pop was stabbed... A few weeks ago, Antonio McDade, a trans man, was shot and killed by Florida law enforcement. Like, recently. Since the police protests. Trans hate crimes are a huge, huge issue um, in the US and internationally. There's been a, a horrible amount of cases of trans murders in South America. And I think that um, this idea that she is spouting is based on this kind of fantasy reality where trans women got to live the first 25 years of their life as butch alpha males who got to like enjoy all the benefits of the patriarchy and then all of a sudden just decided to switch (sighs) and be a woman and say i'm a woman now and i'm being discriminated against it's literal nonsense the patriarchy 
oppresses anyone that doesn't conform to those gender norms. You know, like uh, a trans person is more of a target than a palatable white woman. It's just insane to me. And I just think like when things happen with people like this who are beloved figures to us, our benefit, my first reaction was maybe she just doesn't understand and like maybe we can just help her understand and educate her and blah, blah, blah. So quick to give white people (laughs) the benefit of the doubt. And it's just like, no, you've made a conscious choice to not speak up about Black Lives Matter and to speak up about this. She always does it. She always does this as well. She's done this like three times. Publicly been anti-trans. It's so fucking crazy. And I was watching um, a couple, last week, I was watching a documentary called The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, who was one of the major um, activists in the US for trans rights um, in the, I think, when was Stonewall? 70s. 68, I think. Yeah, 60s and 70s. Um, and she was absolutely incredible. And she was found, her body was found in the harbour and the police just ruled it a suicide without doing any um, proper investigating into it, despite her having a hole in the side of her head when they got her out of the water. It was just super dodgy. No one thinks that she would have committed suicide. Trans hate crimes were fucking rampant back then. Even in the um, 60s and 70s, the LGBT community at the time wouldn't accept trans people even at a like pride um i don't know if it was a march but pride event sylvia rivera who was one of Marsha p johnson's close friends another trans activist got on stage to give a speech and she was booed by the lgbt Mm. community which is so heartbreaking. They just weren't even accepted by people who were supposed to. Like, there's a T in LGBT for a reason. And obviously there's a lot more letters now, but at the time that's what it was. It was a big thing on Drag Race where um, RuPaul got in a huge amount of trouble for essentially saying that trans women have no place competing on Drag Race because if you are consider yourself a woman, then the art of drag is not for you because you need to be a gay man dressing as a woman there's been a a, and then he's since like kind of recanted that after a lot of social pressure and now there are some amazing trans queens on the show but it's just speaks to this fact that trans people are yeah like outcast basically from everyone like the most oppressed of the most oppressed you know what i mean like you're saying there's not a place for them in feminism you're saying there's not a place for them in the gay rights movement you're saying there's not a place for them in mainstream society like it's just it's actually quite like revolting to me that someone with a, a platform that big would decide to use it to promote hate against the like black trans people are probably the most marginalized group mm. in the world. Yeah. It's hard to do that during pride month and during black lives matter. There's just no fucking excuse for it. No. Um, there's a really great article on the New York times from 2019 called who counts as a woman Uh, by Carol Hay and it's kind of just the history of the feminist movement excluding trans women and why that is so awful and it it just kind of goes into details about how you know this is something we talked about last week and have talked about a couple of times but I just think it's so indicative of the fact and you said this just before of the fact that white women 
we really do have this kind of victim complex and it's it's not to say that white women are not oppressed by white men we know that they are we know that we are but we have this idea that us being oppressed in the ways we walk through life as white women somehow exempts us from ever analyzing ways that people have it worse off than us and there's a whole history in the white feminist movement of excluding anyone that isn't a wealthy white straight woman Mm. and I think that's exactly what we're seeing right now yeah Daniel Radcliffe responded which I thought was well I mean love love but also anyone (laughs) who who as part of Harry Potter should be where's Emma Watson in this I haven't heard her speak up yeah slamming Emma Watson a lot lately for no reason but where is she right now? Um, yeah, he said, transgender women are women. Any statement to the contrary erases the identity and dignity of transgender people and goes against all advice given by professional healthcare associations. Good old Daniel Radcliffe. Yes. Cho Chang also blasted her, which I found great. JK Rowling is just such a fucking mess like I can't all the stuff she came out with after Harry Potter came out where she said that Dumbledore was gay and had a twink in Glasgow that was just was supposed to know but was just never referenced in the book I know and someone on Twitter was like why as if you called your only Asian character Cho Chang and as soon as I read that I was like true (laughs) that's so messy yes it's so messy and everyone is everyone white yeah and someone once was like you have no jewish um you have no jewish characters in harry potter and she goes anthony goldstein ravenclaw jewish wizard who is that exactly (laughs) (laughs) anthony goldstein the famous harry potter character (laughs) jesus um yeah so she can just honestly get fucked in my opinion that's just it's just so unwarranted in any circumstances let alone right now just seriously no one's asking you're just ruining harry potter for everybody yeah (laughs) oh i just want to shake her i just want to be like why are you dying on this insane hill (laughs) yeah yeah you know like why just don't just like call up your fucking girlfriend and have a mimosa and talk about it like stay off twitter i know and when she accidentally liked uh, um a um turf tweet ages ago her publicist said it was a middle age hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Moment. Um, and okay, moving on. I know that you would really like to touch on this Glee drama. So I'm going to hand you the microphone. Did you ever watch Glee? No. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. I. This is like my secret shame. I really loved Glee when it came out. No, I haven't and seen I was one. And de- I was definitely too old for it. Yeah, I no. haven't seen one episode. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Leah Michelle is the lead actress in Glee and she posted a Black Lives Matter tweet as all of this uh, information started coming out last week. And Samantha Marie Ware, who was a co-star of hers on Glee, basically tweeted saying, this is such hypocrisy. Do you remember when you made my first ever TV gig, which was on Glee, Living Hell, um, and you told another cast member which I just can't believe I have to say in public, um, she told another cast member that she would shit in her wig if she had the opportunity. And this is about a black woman co-star. Yeah. And then a bunch of other people came out uh, who, not black, who are white women and basically just talked about the fact that she was an absolute nightmare to work for, that she's notoriously difficult and demanding, that she um, bullies and belittles cast and crew members and then a whole bunch of other people who worked with her on Glee including Heather Morris and Naya Rivera who had actually complained about her previously and Amber Riley who's another black co-star basically came out and said that they don't think it's it's racially motivated behavior and that it's kind of being cast specifically in that way because of what's happening in America at the moment but that she's just basically a terrible person (laughs) And now she is apparently getting, like, behavioural de- – beha- dealing with behavioural issues. It's so funny how – In the aftermath. It's so funny how a woman like that can have all of these complaints against her, can have all of these people saying she is horrible to work for. Come on, she's literally – what else has she done? She's a star of Glee. Imagine if a black person or anyone yeah. that was in a minority group – played up like that they'd be fired on the fucking spot there are so many black actors and actresses out there right now marching being like we probably won't even get a job ever again like munro bergdorf mm-hmm. who l'oreal hired she's a uk um, black trans woman l'oreal hired her for a diversity campaign she's an activist and she said something about race and they fired her on the spot like imagine if anyone who wasn't a beautiful white woman like leah michelle did the shit she's doing just insane and now they're gonna just train her to be a better person instead of just firing her ass and hiring someone else i know it's it's super nuts even um who weekly our favorite podcast um i'll let you talk a bit about that episode but they just highlighted the fact that john boyega the star of the new star wars series has been a really vocal opponent he was at the black lives matter protest in london that i was at um and he has been really uh, amazing online. And he's basically said, "This I know that this is going to mean that I'm not going to get roles. I don't care. This is someone who's the lead in Star Wars, like the hottest new person on the block in all of America. 
And he's probably right. It is going to affect his higher ability. Whereas you have Ben, stupid Affleck, <laughs> standing there with his Black Lives Matter sign in LA. His no Black Lives saying, Matter you know, sign was on like an A4 piece of paper and he obviously just scribbled it on quickly and then held it up. It was so embarrassing. I want to scream. I know. But no one is sitting there saying, oh, Ben Affleck, what's going to happen to his career now that he's spoken out? You know what I mean? The double standard is just obscene. Mm. It's so fucked. Yeah, Who Weekly did an amazing podcast basically being like, why do we always talk about white people when there are so many because the podcast is essentially talking about people you don't celebrities you don't know so random celebrities who are doing they did a whole segment about megan blake Irwin, which was just the funniest thing ever being from like new zealand and australia and kind of knowing a bit more of who she is compared to them it was just so funny um but they were like why do we fuck do we not talk about black who's rah 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 and then one point which was so funny because i said this to grace months ago off air and i was like i can't deal that basically no one I know watches Insecure, which is the most palatable millennial woman show ever. They are literally late 20s, dating. It's a comedy. It's hilarious. Um, and we no one had even heard of it or was watching it. And then basically they said the same thing where they were like, we fucking were talking about Run, that random shit show, <laughs> instead of Insecure, which has been there all along. I was like, yes. Same. Same. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Leah Michelle thing. So Evan Ross Katz is like one of my favorite people on Instagram. And he he didn't break the story, but he was posting about it a lot. And he's basically said that he's going to be writing a kind of expose on the history of her behavior. What I think is interesting about this and what I'd like to talk to you about is how Leah Michelle is one of many individuals and especially brands that we have seen in the last two weeks who have spoken out about Black Lives Matter and then been absolutely slammed for hypocrisy. And I think it's amazing that that's happened. We're talking about stuff like Paper Magazine and Reformation and L'Oreal and a bunch of other publications and places who have been called out basically for racist internal company practices after speaking out about this issue i wonder what you think about the fact that it's almost like if you're going to speak out about it you put more of a target on yourself than if you just don't engage with the topic whatsoever i haven't seen any takedowns of people who haven't posted or engaged and then that's been used as further evidence of their behavior it's like you almost have to come out and say that you care about the issue in order to then get slammed yeah, that's the thing. I was listening to Bobo and Flex, and Flex was saying, because Bobo was basically saying, white people don't come to us and ask us what to do about race. Go and do your Googles. Figure it out for yourself. And then Flex was saying, well, if they go away and do their Googles and they come across a really broad definition of what's happened to black people, and then they come to us and assume that that's our lived experience, we're going to be like, you're just fucking lumping us all in together. We're individuals. So it's like damned if you do, damned if you don't. And I think that's the thing here. So people are having a go at people who are being um, vocal on social media. I've seen a few of my friends who have really large followings who have spoken out about Black Lives Matter and talked about their own ignorance and how they want to change. I've seen them get fucking slammed with death threats and horrible things that they wouldn't get if they just shut up and didn't say anything. And with these brands, it's the same sort of thing. But I honestly think that with the majority of these brands, they literally didn't even realize how 
racist they were. I don't think that mm. I don't think that quite a few of them would have said anything if they thought like none of them would have said anything if they thought they were gonna get this backlash, but I think a lot of them just had no idea. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. And I think it's fantastic that the conversation is being opened up like this where people are posting tiles or things on Instagram and then people, former employees or spokespeople are coming out and saying, this is all well and good, but are you going to address the fact that I worked here and XYZ happened, that this is the culture around how black people or women are treated? This is like, I think a really interesting one is so many black women have come out and talked about how difficult they found um, upward mobility in their jobs where they stayed in jobs for two or three years and saw less uh, qualified white candidates ascend above them quicker or get paid more money than them about how they were very often um, the public facing image of the company where they were running campaigns or they were on their website or they were on their Instagram grid a lot but behind the scenes weren't getting paid the same amount of money or their opinions weren't actually being listened to or their ideas were being taken and run by someone else like that's all the really important stuff on the topic of that specifically but at bon appetit they were using black women to do their videos and weren't paying them and were paying the white women to do the same videos it's beyond i think that that's the kind of conversations that need to be having and there was that amazing hashtag on twitter which was I know this wasn't the point of it, but like literally made me think I need to write some young adult fiction immediately. (laughs) Um, So hashtag publishing paid me was this viral Twitter thread that came out, which was basically about getting people to open up about how much they were paid for their books to showcase the disparity between black and white normally so we're talking about just as a side note we're talking about race in very binary black and white terms at the moment that's purely because the conversation at the moment is very specifically about black people specifically and not about people of color in general Mm -hmm. um and we really want to make sure that it comes across that we are completely aware of the fact that people of all people of color face discrimination and are oppressed by white people but the conversation specifically at the moment is about black people because they face a specific level of oppression and also freaking boris johnson's cabinet some guy in it was asked by a reporter how many black people they have in cabinet and he goes um well we have uh, a cup i can name um that's just to name two any name two people of color um who were both i'm pretty sure of asian descent and then just didn't there's no black people in cabinet and i think people can try and lump people of color in to excuse themselves when it's like no no right now we're speaking specifically about black people because they're getting murdered by the police in front of us specific level of historical discrimination in america against people of african descent specifically that i think is the root of this conversation and like we talk about 13th and the history of the criminal justice system that's what a lot of the conversation is focused on now but we are definitely aware of the fact that this is not the only discrimination that exists to people of color and that ongoing it's going to be a massive focus that this isn't all we talk about Mm. but this publishing paid me chain specifically was about this issue and the disparities were just nuts like crazy um, so Roxanne Gay, for example, got paid. This is kind of a, a funny comparison, but uh, uh, Roxanne Gay got paid fifteen thousand dollars US for bad feminists. Oh my god! And it's 
such a huge seller, right? It's a bestseller. I just bought it the other day. Yes. It just arrived. And Pippa Middleton was paid a reported £800,000 for her book, which sold what book? copies. <laughs> I know. It's called Celebrate. I know that that's like a, I'm Pippa going two ends of the yeah. spectrum. But just to, like that kind of how How many copies did her book um, sell? Pippa Middleton's yeah. 800. Oh my god, that's so funny. It's like £10,000 per copy. That's crazy. Ugh. And as if they need the fucking money. Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a lot of discrepancies between people, what they were paid for their first book. So a young adult writer, Laura Sebastian, was paid 185000 advance for each book in her Ash Princess, don't know what that is, trilogy, and one of her black contemporaries who wrote a book called Labyrinth Lost, which was considered on the same level, uh, Zoraida Cordova, was paid 7500 Oh, my God. That's just insane. I really appreciate all of these people saying what they were paid because that's kind of – that is uncomfortable. That's where, like, the work happens. And I think that's another thing with um, when you talk about equality um, – that I think a lot of white people don't realize is it does mean literally losing out on money. It does mean potentially losing out on jobs. It does mean that like perhaps your kid won't get into the university that you want them to get into because it's gone to a person of color or a black person. It means revealing what you're getting paid, even if it makes you feel uncomfortable. So I'm like really grateful that these people are doing that. It would suck to be like, I got paid this much money and when someone else gets paid a fraction of that and it's also what someone highlighted which i think is so important and just like shows how complicated systemic racism is is that if you're getting paid a hundred and fifty thousand dollar advance you can quit all your jobs and spend all your time working on those books Mm. and if you're getting paid fifteen thousand dollars you're still gonna have to work one or two jobs and be like stealing away hours here and there to write it Mm. so the ability to make that book good is completely diminished, as good as as your contemporary who's been paid triple the money, ten times the money. Yeah, is completely gone. It's so so these, unfair. These, yeah, it's it's just unfair because you just do not have the opportunity to dedicate a year of your life to writing the perfect book. And then if you don't have that, obviously your contemporaries' books are going to be more well more well thought out, better edited. Um, they're going to have more time with the editor. It's just the this is how these systems happen. <sighs> What do you think about um, the whole fashion brand situation? Um, I'm not surprised by it. Um, I think the fashion industry has needed a massive shake-up on this front for a really long time. I think that this is the first time it seems to me that brands will be scared that this is going to affect their profit margins, which is unfortunately really the only tangible way you can put pressure on a company to change. Um, And I think that that will, I think that there'll be a lot of conversations being had behind closed doors about this now. I mean, maybe I'm naive in saying that, but I just think the pressure is so high Mm -hmm. now. It's so deep rooted in fashion in media in Hollywood everywhere beauty um even a photographer sent us a dm the other day or just forwarded us um something the other day which showed that 
literally since the beginning of time when cameras were created, there was a specific white skin tone that was the go-to skin tone for every photo that was developed. So if your skin tone doesn't match that, then your body or the model or whoever it is in the photos, uh, skin tone comes out looking weird because the model is a white person. It's just like it's just yeah, everything and that's is been just so crazy. a conversation that happens behind the scenes a lot in fashion. Of is the photographer going to be able to light this? Is the makeup artist going to be able to do this um, model's skin? Is this hairstylist going to be able to do this model's hair? Like the the whole system has been so rooted in this really narrow Eurocentric white version of beauty that people at the absolute top of their game in photography, lighting, makeup, hair. And even styling mm. do not have experience on non-white models. Yeah. And like if that's the case, you literally have a system where people are just completely excluded from the conversation. It's so endemic and so systemic and it goes through to um a lot of these company a lot of these people on these companies post talking about how they're treated when they go into retail stores, how they're not made to feel welcome inside high fashion stores because they're not treated like the target market and the retail employees aren't taught to think of them as employ as customers that they should be treating with respect like it's so complicated and i think representation externally which i think the focus has been on of having women of color on the runways having women of color fronting campaigns that's great but that's dangerously close to like just optics Mm. unless you're following through behind the scenes with who is in charge of your company who is getting paid a lot of money who is making like the big proper decisions because otherwise it's just going to be like slap a band-aid on it tokenism don't worry yeah so to wrap up this week we are going to leave you with a few wise words from our new favorite man on Instagram, Brandon K. Good, who is taking time out of his day to educate us annoying white people on how to be better allies, do the work, essentially everything. So we're going to hand it over to him now. And also please rate, review, subscribe, go to our Instagram and look at all of the resources on there. Um, that we recommended you listen to. We didn't release an after work drinks with episode last week because we thought we would much rather you spend the hour listening to these amazing informative podcasts. So we hope you guys did that. We'll be back again this Saturday. Yes. Thank you again for listening. We love you and we will see you on Saturday. So I wanted to come and do a video about uh, white people feeling guilty and embarrassed. And I'm doing this video, uh, so that (laughs) your black friends don't have to talk about this with you, Um, that your black colleagues don't have to address this with you. My amendment or my my exception to that is if your best friend is black or your husband or your wife and they are in a space and willing to have this conversation with you, then you guys know your relationship. But in general, uh, the feeling of embarrassment and shame and guilt are feelings that you... uh, should be addressing with yourself and your white and non-black community, but not with us. Um, But what I will share 
is that I think that the embarrassment and the guilt and the shame uh, is connected to, and I, I can speak for, for my white friends, which is that your identity uh, has been rooted in your, your kindness and your generosity and your lovingness. That is how you see yourself. That is how you, what you pride yourself on is that you're kind and you're in tune and you're empathic. Um, and if those things are true, then how could you have gone this long without seeing your black friends and your black colleagues and your black neighbors in pain like this? How could you have gone this long without being plugged in to the plight and the trauma and the uh, the war that your black friends and colleagues have been in. So your identity is being challenged and uprooted because it means that somewhere inside of you, uh, you have absorbed racism and have responded and reacted at some point uh, in ways that are racist and oppressive uh, unconsciously, but you've still done it. And a kind, generous, loving person would never do anything racist, right? And so there comes the guilt, there comes the shame, there comes the, the fear uh, that you are a bad person. Um, it is not my job to make you feel like a good person, but what I will say is, one, told you being an ally would be messy. Uh, it's, it's, it's messy and it's complicated. You are allowed to feel those things and those feelings will continue to come up, but to me, it's what you do with those feelings. Connect with your other white friends and your family and talk about it. Talk about how the fuck did it take this long to see the people fully, the people that you see and interact with every day, how the fuck did it take this long to recognize and do something about the pain they've been in, in front of you? Do not unload this onto your black friends. As you can hear, or maybe I don't know if you can hear, but there are helicopters swarming, there are army trucks going down main streets. We are wrestling and managing enough right now, and we don't need to also manage your emotions uh, and how you're feeling in this moment. If you weren't feeling this way, then I would say you were not doing the work. If you weren't feeling this way, then I would say you were not looking at yourself hard enough. So go ahead and feel it. Go ahead and continue to push through these uncomfortable moments. Go ahead and remember and point out all the times that you did respond and react in racist ways, all the times you crossed the street, you held your purse too tight, you uh, said somebody was uh, pretty for being black, all of those things, let them pour out in your private space, in your private white space, not on us. And then do better. 
and then you get to know how to respond moving forward. That's all. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina. 